Human Anthology podcast. Today we are continuing our series, Tell Us a Story. And the Human Anthology podcast is the project started by the Human Library team of the Human Book Collection. So the purpose of this project is to record an authentic slice in an individual's life through conversation. And this podcast aims to explore diverse themes and perspectives by inviting different members of the community to share their stories, thus giving listeners a glimpse into their everyday life. The Human Book Collection seeks to facilitate the development of meaningful connections by providing various platforms where students can share stories and experiences that have shaped their individual identities. My name is Gracie. And my name is Avantika. And we will be your hosts for today. Today we are kindly joined by Lisa Shen, who is a McMaster student with a very unique story to tell. She has faced numerous challenges regarding her health and how that has impacted her ability to connect. So welcome, Lisa. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. So like Gracie said, my name is Lisa. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and uh, I'm also a student here at McMaster. I'm in my fifth year of the Honors Molecular Biology and Genetics program. Um, outside of that, I'm also a writer and spoken word artist. So that's kind of what got me into writing about these different experiences um, and all the creative essaying I do around disability. Yeah, awesome. So we'd like to invite you to tell us your story. So maybe Lisa, you want to give a bit of a background and then start reading it? Yeah, for sure. So um, this piece that I'm about to share with you all is called Cocoon. And this was originally written to be published in Insight Magazine. Um, so I don't know if uh, either of you have heard of Insight Magazine, but uh, this is a student-run publication that uh, is affiliated with McMaster. Um, it, it's really great. Like I think they have like excellent quality uh, work that they show. Um, they showcase art that is coupled with different forms of writing, like poetry, um, prose, like just anything you can think of. Um, and this was written for their edition that was published, I think, about a year ago, and the theme was here. And so, you know, you can write in any way that, like, somewhat intersects with the theme, but I, I chose to, wrote about, um, to write about uh, my experience as someone who has a physical disability. Um, this is something that I've been dealing with since I was about 14 or 15 years old. Um, it's had a huge impact on my life, um, really just sort of, like, impacted, like, everything about myself. Um, and so, yeah, so I kind of chose to write about that experience um, and how that relates to places um, and how it intersects with the pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah. We can't wait to hear it. Okay, so this is my narrative essay titled Cocoon. August looks like four white walls dotted with colored photographs of friends laughing on summer vacation. In the dull heat, I've counted every stucco on the ceiling. I have danced with every speck of dust. Yesterday and today and tomorrow. For the past six years, I have lived with a chronic pain condition. My feet and ankles ache with prolonged periods of walking or standing, and I struggle to move downstairs or across grassy terrain. My tendons and ligaments injure, injure easily and heal slowly. My muscles grow tense with sustained activity. Some days it is too much to even walk across campus or perform the basic activities of living. This disorder has fractured my social life. The ability to stand is so deeply interwoven into society that most of us never even give it a second thought. But knock it down and you rip a hole through everything you used to know. Picnics, conventions, food festivals, hiking, camping, shopping, parties, nightclubs, bar crawls. Almost every activity necessitates some degree of walking or standing. 
almost every activity brings with it a risk of rolling an ankle or overstretching a muscle, leaving me in pain for weeks. Before I go to any event, I must ask myself, is the chance of injury worth the experience? Oftentimes, the answer is no. At present, I have not received a diagnosis for my condition. My pain is nameless and shapeless, thereby putting me in a solitary community of one. Over the years, I've discovered new ways of connecting with people and activities that I can safely participate in. I found familiarity in the laughter exchanged between friends against a background of telephone static. But still it remains, the gnawing pit at the bottom of everything, the nameless pain, the shapeless disorder, the solitary community of one. That is, until one year ago. In the spring of 2020, a butterfly flapped its wings on the other side of the world, and Ontario cocooned itself into a state of lockdown. Maintain physical distancing, blinked the highway signs. Save a life. So we went home, locked our doors, and opened up the blue-white screens of our laptops. At the click of a mouse, everything moved online. Musicals, gaming nights, comedy shows. My concerns of injury evaporated with the last of winter's snow. In their place, the glow of my computer screen, a window into everything I had been missing, and the world opened up to me. Tonight, I'm in both Toronto and Vancouver, California and New York. Without the need for a body, I can go anywhere. Here, in the safety of my room, there is no sitting on the edges of a banquet hall while dozens of brightly colored dresses chatter and mill about. There is no staying behind while the rest of the lab embarks on a hike down to Coots. I am in the center of the crowd at the Pride Parade. I am the first one on the dance floor at prom. With the locking down of our country, the borders of social life have been opened up to me. For the first time in a long time, I am just as alone as everyone else. It is such a strange feeling to have the whole world suddenly experience your pain. In this new world of dusty auditoriums and abandoned city streets, everyone feels more isolated than ever before. Quarantine blues, they call it. Social withdrawal. Yet I feel the most connected I have been in years. It makes me feel a sort of quiet sadness that it took this a global pandemic that has claimed thousands of lives to give me back what I lost from mine. Living at home, functionally and geographically separated from my friends, a defining property of my social isolation became that I was the only one experiencing it. I've been in my own kind of quarantine for years and the world has only now just joined me. I do not know how long the sense of belonging will last, whether it will be gone in the span of months or if it will trickle out into the years to come, leaving little golden rivers for me to follow after the rest of the world has gone back outdoors. However, while it remains, the only thing left to do is ask, may I have this dance? Wow. Thank you all. Yay. That was amazing. Incredible. Well, when I first read it, it just, like you could hear your authentic emotions and it's really powerful. So thank you so much for sharing. So we're gonna move on to some discussion questions. Ivantika, do you wanna ask the first question? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> your story is not only powerful but incredibly and beautifully written. 
Do you consider writing to be one of your hobbies or passions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the ways I define myself is as a writer and spoken word artist. Um, I mostly I write about a bunch of different topics, but I focus mainly on uh, like feminist works and sort of like writing about violence against women. Although when I do most of my essaying, I find I find myself writing about disability and mental illness more. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a big part of my identity. Mm-hmm. So what is something that you wish people knew about chronic pain, but they don't or like an assumption that people have that isn't true? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, So I do want to open up with a disclaimer that I'm here to talk about my personal experiences as someone who has an invisible physical Mm -hmm. disability. Um, And so a lot of the things I share today, other people who have a disability or like any other kind of challenge might feel the totally like opposite way. um, And that's also totally valid. Um, But I guess like my response to some things that I wish people knew about disability or chronic pain. um, One thing is that a lot of people have invisible disabilities. Um, This is something I struggle with a lot because um, I struggle with walking on snow or I struggle with getting onto an HSR bus, especially getting off an HSR bus, um, just the stepping down. Um, And it's tricky because if I was in a wheelchair or if I had an obvious limp or a crutch, um, the bus driver would probably wait for me to sit down before he starts moving the bus Um, or he might kneel the bus um, because he would think would know that I needed it. Um, But I think a lot of people have these invisible disabilities, especially when you look young and you look otherwise healthy. Um, where it's really hard to, to know what their needs are. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what like the application of that would be, but I guess, I don't know, I guess try to be aware that um, people have different abilities and that maybe like it's not always visible to the naked eye. Um, the other thing that I would want to share is that everyone's limitations are kind of unique to them and really hard to predict. So what I mean by this is that sometimes I'll tell my friend, oh, I've been like doing, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing, but I've been doing this Vlogilates core oh, workout because, yes. you know, mm-hmm. COVID, yep, yep, yep you got it, yep, <laughs> represent. Um, yeah, and they'll, they'll be really surprised that I can, you know, do workouts and even do squats when I struggle going to the grocery store because it means a lot of walking and a lot of standing in line. Um, but the thing is that like with a workout, I can control the sorts of movements I'm doing. I can take breaks if I need be. Um, I'm not standing. I'm kind of like on my back, right. which is fine for me. Um, and another example is that I've spoken to people who have concussions and such, um, and I've said to them like, oh, it must be so hard for you doing online learning because of all the screen time. Like that's really hard for concussion recovery. Mm-hmm. But they said that, no, it's actually the opposite because when I'm at home, I can control the ambient noise level. I can control the lighting. Um, I can take breaks more easily because lectures are recorded. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just like everyone's like limitations are unique to them and new. It's, it's just really hard to predict what people can and cannot do. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to share is that I think that chronic pain is really mentally exhausting. Um, There's this quote that I don't remember where it comes from, but it's something to the extent of how it's not the current pain that is unbearable. It's the current pain combined with every single memory of past pain and the knowledge that it's not going to get better in the future. And that is what is so defeating. Um, And that's definitely the case for me. Like, I have found like the mental ramifications and challenges of having chronic pain and disability to be so much more than just like the actual pain itself. Um, yeah, so I guess those are some things that uh, I, I guess that would be maybe nice if people are more aware no, of. That's beautifully put. I think things are always so much more intricate than we try to make them. And in way of simplifying things for us around in the world, 
uh, we tend to lose empathy for the people around us. So you put it beautifully. I think people need to just realize that there's so much more than what you see at the surface. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my next question is, is that, you know, your story touches on the concepts of isolation prior to the pandemic and connection during it. Um, how has your perception of what human connection really means changed throughout this period? I don't have like a perfect or amazing answer for this because honestly, my answer is that in-person interaction is important. Um, like I know I talk in the essay and I say how it's like so hard for me to have those in-person opportunities. Um, but like, yeah, like online talking with a friend on the phone is great, um, but it's not the same. And having online gaming nights is like really nice, but it's not the same as drinking while, I don't know, playing games with your friends in person. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's I would say that in-person connection is important. Um, yeah, and like as someone who can struggle to like move around and stuff um, and go places, that that's definitely something that I'll have to continue dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you bring up a really important point. Like even in your previous question, you touched on how there are some people who have really benefited from this online format where things that they weren't able to, accommodations that they weren't able to have in person, they're able to implement them like cater to their and tailor to their own needs at home but there's also like like there's always a give and take you know there's no like perfect solution for anything yeah for sure and like i think a lot of people especially have benefited in the in the sphere of education um I, i've for various reasons i've spoken to a bunch of people lately who um are struggling with disability in medical school um mm -hmm. and like for example, this other student who was talking to me, she said that she has really bad IBD or like Crohn's disease that flares up sometimes um, mm -hmm. and that they've also had to deal with like recovery from surgeries and such. Um, and they were only able to go to medical school and actually attend that year because they could stay at home and they could do their classes from home. Um, but yeah, obviously there's like give and take with everything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess our next question is like, how was it for you and like, how did it feel to be finding the sense of connection during the pandemic when hearing about people around you who are mourning their loss of easy connection and freedom? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And that's basically the main reason I wanted to write this piece, this, this cocoon essay. Um, to be completely honest, the feeling for me is is one of, of bitterness in a way. Um, and I don't say that because like, that I, I, I'm coming from a heartless perspective or anything. Um, I think it's a very natural response when you're in any situation where you've been experiencing something really difficult for a long period of time that no one else recognizes. And then suddenly a bunch of people in your life are starting to feel the same way. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really natural to be like, oh my God, now you like understand or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely like kind of like a, a bittersweet aspect to it. Um, but it was also helpful. And I think in, in writing this piece, especially, it was a big moment of clarity for me because I don't think I had really realized how uniquely challenging it was to be the only one who couldn't attend a lot of these events while everyone was like out there, like going to Wonderland or going to the beach or hiking in, in the woods, like to all the nice waterfalls around McMaster that I would love to go to. Um, and so, yeah, like it was it was helpful and like being able to put into words what I've been feeling for a long time. I think that was a really honest answer and it takes a lot of strength to admit maybe parts of yourself that you aren't proud of but are your authentic self and it's just that like complicated experience where 
you know, like you feel like you have your individual struggles, but there might also be like these invisible, as you were saying, these like invisible disabilities that we don't see, these struggles that aren't obvious. For sure. And and I do also want to emphasize that I'm not happy this pandemic happened. Like of course, if yeah. I could wave a wand and yeah, make it so that all these people hadn't died and like the economy hadn't like gone through this whole thing, I totally would. And I also recognize that a lot of people, including people with disabilities, are having a uniquely difficult time in the pandemic. Um, so it's not just like automatically better for everyone. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I think um, the point you made about finally feeling like someone or so many people understand or have a sense of the emotional conflict that you've gone through over the years is it's almost a relieving feeling despite the you know the fact that this pandemic has been catastrophic on so many people i think generally when you find out that someone connects with you emotionally it feels good even on the smallest of things um for example in school if you find out that someone else is struggling on the same assignment it's relieving to know that you know you have someone mm-hmm. with you in the struggle so i i hear you when you say that Um, So I think our next question is, do you think your challenges will be the same after this pandemic? So now that you've realized the potential of online activities and connections um, as it was before the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think this is another question where maybe my answer won't fall, where like it's sort of like expected to fall, maybe. Um, Like, I think this pandemic, like I I know, like the idea of after the pandemic is like really, really appealing. Um, It's, yeah. yeah like i don't know when the quote after is going to be like who knows this might just become like influenza and it just pops up every year like sort of a blur at this point yeah yeah i have no idea when it's going to end um but yeah like definitely i think that while we're still kind of tapering off um and like it's 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 still happening like i think there will continue to be more online events which is definitely helpful for access um i think like in a theoretical world where like this all goes away magically um I, I do definitely think that there's going to be more online opportunities. Um, I've seen this in the writing world. And so we've been having a lot of uh, slams and we've been having a lot of online open mics. Um, and I definitely prefer in-person uh, performance activities. It's just so much nicer to be able to like be with people in a physical space and to be able to like see their reactions live as you're performing. Um, but one of the really cool things about having online stuff is that you can have people join from all over the world. And so I've been in slams where there are poets who are literally living in Africa and then someone who's up at like 5 a.m. in Germany. Um, so th- so that's that's really cool. And like I think there will like continue to be stuff like that. Um, and the other thing that I mentioned before is in the sphere of education. I, I really do think there will be more online learning opportunities. Um, one of the medical students that I was speaking to, <laughs> they made a point of how... Um, people don't have an excuse anymore not to allow online learning because before they used to say like, oh, you have to come to class in person because you can't be a good enough doctor if you learn online. Um, But they can't really say that anymore because they had two semesters of medical students learning exclusively online. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's kind of like a funny, funny thing to think about. Um, But yeah, I I think like in in those spheres, there'll be like maybe some small changes. Um, I I don't think it's going to be like as... um, like as dramatic as maybe some people are thinking it will be um but yeah oh and, and the other thing I, I did want to like maybe mention is that I forgot who I was speaking to this about but um I was having a conversation where we were talking about how changes that are made to accommodate people with disabilities often benefit like 
everyone in a way. Um, and like one example of this is computer dictation. This was, I think, mostly oh, yeah. invented to, yeah, it's like help people with like typing disabilities or whatever. Right. But now doctors love computer dictation. <laughs> um, and yeah, like lecture recording, like a lot of that is like assistive technology. But then like who doesn't want their lecture recorded when I doze off like in the middle and forget what my prof said? <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there'll be some small changes, um, but maybe not that dramatic. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's interesting uh, the point you mentioned about how, um, of course, the in-person performances for an artist are really special because you have that connection in person. And that's the point you like performing for other people. Right. Um, and for yourself, of course. But where the connection was sort of lost, I feel like there was also a gain in the sense that, you know, now you have collaboration on such a larger scale from people all around the world and they're sharing their sharing such deep parts of their selves. So I, as you said, I think as we discussed earlier, there's ups and downs to everything really. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And if I could snap my fingers and have in-person poetry events back at Mac, I totally would. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking to that, actually, I had another question. Um, you know, you're obviously an incredible writer at this point. Aww. Do you have any recommendations for someone who's trying to get into writing in the Hamilton community? in at McMaster or just generally writing in general? Yeah, for sure. Um, like, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I think a big part of the reason why I got into writing and, and maybe started pursuing it so intensely was because of the pandemic. Um, like, oh, I wow. went to my first Poetry Slam in March of 2020. So Ooh, like a week right or two, hit. Yeah. yeah, like a week or two before everything shut down. Um, and so then I started going to these slams that were online through the organization Toronto Poetry Slam. So usually major cities, they will have some kind of poetry or slam organization. Um, And if you don't know what a poetry slam is, it's just like a poetry competition. So people just go up, recite their poems, Mm -hmm. and then they like compete for like a small amount of prize money usually. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyways, like I was able to go to these Toronto Poetry Slam events because I didn't have to commute to Toronto in the winter, which like I was just completely physically incapable of doing. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of like how I I sort of got into writing really intensely. Um, but if you're like new to writing and you and you want to you want to start out, there are so many great organizations at McMaster. So there's Insight Magazine that I mentioned. Um, they run a publication, uh, I think, two or three times a year. I know for sure they run one for the fall and they run one for the winter. Um, depending on when this podcast is coming out, I think right about the time it comes out, they'll probably be getting ready to release their prompt um, and their call for submissions for their next issue. So definitely check that out um, on their socials. Um, There is also Unspoken McMaster, which is a poetry-only focused small little chapbook publication. Mm -hmm. And they also run a lot of really great events. there are definitely other ones. Oh, there's the Muse McMaster, um, which is similar to Insight, um, but they focus on the medical humanities. So they accept any art um, and any pieces of writing that intersect with the humanities or like medicine, like that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the community of Hamilton in general, uh, this organization is on a bit of a hiatus right now. Um, they are undergoing some restructuring. Um, I'm actually supposed to be doing some volunteering with them for like bringing poetry into high schools or like middle schools. Um, oh, it's a little amazing. like, yeah, it's, it, I know I'm so excited about it. It's a little tentative right now because, you know, pandemic and they're restructuring. Um, but they're called Hamilton Youth Poets um, or possibly Hamilton U Poets. It's a little confusing. Um, <laughs> but regardless, um, they used to at least run a slam once every month. Um, there was no prize money. It was just for fun. Um, but it, it's really great because they have like a proper theater 
it's like downtown toronto but it's whoa downtown hamilton um, okay. but it's not a hard yeah it's not a hard commute from yes. mcmaster at all it'd be really weird to be hamilton youth poets in toronto um <laughs> yeah but it, it's a really great organization um yeah those are those are the main ones i know um but yeah there's definitely tons of online stuff happening like any week you want to go to an open mic you want to go to a slam you can find something online um yeah just like don't be afraid like just go out and do it like be vulnerable and just like be okay and like if it's bad then like so what like you got to be bad to get good so yeah just start yeah no I love that mindset I think I love that you're outreaching to high schools too because I remember growing up and going to English class was super daunting just because I think <laughs> the writing process initially can be super daunting like trying to looking at a blank page and trying to figure out what you're gonna say it's intimidating sure. and I still honestly haven't overcome it but you've inspired me so mm -hmm. uh, thank you. I'm ready to go for sure I think we're all are we all in STEM this is the question I think I we're know, all yeah. studying science so we're like in high school it was like I feel like there was a general focus on like doing well in classes and since English is one of those subjective subjects it was kind of hard to Absolutely. get really into it and tap into your creativity yeah. when it's very structured like you analyze this Shakespearean play you focus on these mm -hmm. themes so I feel like I didn't gain such an appreciation for writing until later on and again talking to you Lisa and reading your piece it's kind of like rekindled that inspiration to Aww, maybe get into so that <laughs> for sure I agree I wonder if this is like weird timing but would you be able to briefly describe what the progression has been for this condition like you said you were diagnosed or you started experience it, experiencing it around 14 and then has it sort of stayed the same or like gotten better or worse yeah for sure so when i was around 14 um i was doing a lot of running um and a lot of exercise in general and in a way that was was really rather unhealthy um, so I was doing a lot of repetitive exercise. I was doing a lot of high impact exercise and for something like three, four hours every day all throughout the summer. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm not recommending this. Like this is not healthy. Like exercise is like anything, you know, like if you do too much of it, like if I drink too much water, that's going to kill me. If I exercise yeah. too much, that's really bad for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so because of that, even though I had never really had any issues physically as a child like I did gymnastics I, I did badminton I was like decently active um, but I started developing all these injuries like um, I got patella femoral syndrome I had an issue with my IT band um, I had a bunch of pain in like my feet just from like the repetitive strain of running on pavement um, and so like that was you know that was what it was I did some physio um, that you know mostly made it better um, and then about a year after that we took a trip up to uh i really hope i don't butcher it Yellowknife. i always forget if it's yellow knife or yellowstone but that's yellowstone's the other way yellow knife yeah. is up north <laughs> um yeah and it, it was really great we saw the northern lights um i would definitely recommend it as a trip like if you oh live in gosh. canada it's so cool yeah you totally should it's it's so nice um but it was a bit of a bittersweet trip because we went on this long bike ride uh, my entire family my uh aging parents and my younger sister and they were all fine um but i was biking and by kind of like the end of like that 20 kilometer route, my both of my Achilles tendons, which if you don't know, that is the tendon that kind of runs from your heel to your back calf muscle. Um, and so both of those tendons on me were like on fire. 
Um, and then, so that was kind of a difficult injury, went to a bit of physio, kind of helped. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it was kind of just a similar pattern. So I would, I would play badminton one time and then I would kind of land a little weird. And then suddenly all my, um, extensor tendons on my feet, which are kind of like the tendons on the tops of your feet instead of like the, the bottom of your foot. Um, those were like suddenly in a lot of pain. Um, and that was really, really difficult to overcome. Um, and yeah, just kind of like a, a, a pattern like that where, I would just get injured really, really easily um, in ways that you wouldn't expect someone to. Um, I would like kind of step on a rock while walking and then like my foot would be hurting for a week where someone else might not even notice that. Um, mm. And I started like also developing a lot of pain in my hands that to this day still makes writing and using a laptop really, really difficult. Um, I started developing a lot of like widespread muscle, muscle tension um, that and all this stuff like increases with usage, with activity. Um, and yeah, so I've... I've like been seeing doctors. I've been seeing rheumatologists. Um, I've tried different things. I've tried CBD oil, which was kind of a funny experience mm. because mm. I was just you really love those natural treatments. Yeah, mm. I know. Well, my rheumatologist is kind of like this hippie guy, you know, because <laughs> he goes. He's like an art school, like at OCAD or something. So he's like, mm. I don't know. I guess he's like a little bit. I don't know. Artsy were out there. So he was like, Yeah, like try CBD oil, and it didn't work. But it just did make me feel really weird all the time and like <laughs> yeah so that was funny um but I've, I've tried different things um and nothing has nothing has really worked um I've gotten a lot better at like managing like pain management and just like kind mm -hmm. of advocating for myself which I think is a huge part of it um right. but yeah I'm, I'm kind of um I'm still, still trying to work through it get a good diagnosis and um figure out if I can like get like a drug or something that might help it um I'm like considering taking a year or two off after I graduate to really just focus on my health and not do grad school or anything. Yeah. Um, maybe also focus on mm -hmm. writing a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my disability story. Well, I'm sorry to hear that there hasn't been any definitive treatment. I think it's, it's so, I mean, I can imagine the mental, amount of mental taxation it must take to know that, you know, you don't know where your future lies in terms of your health, but I'm so glad to hear that you're taking time out to care for yourself. That's amazing to hear. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear you have an outlook where you prioritizing yourself and mental well-being, physical well-being. And it sounds like you're really taking the steps towards taking care of yourself and just staying present. And I mean, none of us really know what's going to happen in the future. But for you, it's like a very unique yeah. challenge. And yeah. <laughs> it's it's an it's an ongoing struggle like I'm definitely not perfect at it and, and it definitely makes career prospects really hard like I was really hoping I would get better by the end of my degree so that it wouldn't impact like my graduate program selection mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of what's happening right now so that's also been hard to deal with yeah yeah I'm sorry to hear that but I think you've shown an immense amount of resilience up until mm -hmm. now and I'm sure you will definitely display that and even more moving forward thank you that's sweet of you yeah and like, I think your story is very important because your experiences are very unique and there might be someone out there who's going through something similar. So I think it's important to amplify your own voice, which you're doing. It's really good. Yeah, I, I do want to say like, if there's anyone listening to this who is dealing with disability, like whether it's new or, or you've just been struggling with it for a while, like... I cannot emphasize enough how important self-advocacy is. Um, like just saying to the bus driver mm -hmm. when I get off um, or like when you get onto the bus, just saying like, hey, could you wait until I sit down to move the bus? I have like condition X um, or just 
yeah just being able to advocate for yourself in your courses and such I think it's the thing that makes the biggest difference but it's so hard to learn yeah absolutely yeah thank you so much Lisa for joining us today and like being so vulnerable and open with sharing your story it's been really amazing to hear for sure thanks so much for having me and thank you for everyone for listening to the Human Anthology podcast this week. And for any listeners who would be interested in following my work going into the future, I am at It's Lisa Shen on Instagram. Um, I also have a website, lisashen.ca. Um, and one interesting thing that's coming up in particular is that I am giving a TEDx talk um, that is going to be aired this March 5th through TEDx McMaster. Um, so if you're interested in getting tickets for that, <laughs> thank mm -hmm. you. If you're interested in getting tickets for that, you can go to tedxmcmaster.ca slash events slash tickets. Um, it is also advertised on my website and in my IG bio. Um, and yeah, thanks. Thanks so much to uh, the folks at Human Anthology. Thank you so much. I'm definitely attending now to hear you speak your poetry. <laughs> yes. I definitely want to attend. Um, but thank you to all the listeners. You can connect with us at the Human Co Book Collection on Instagram or the Human Book Collection on Facebook. Stay tuned for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.